Welcome to Fran Path Consulting Podcast. I'm Sam Schweitzer. And I'm Brittany Bodie. And together we are Fran Path Consulting. Good afternoon, Jamie Major. How are you? Sam Schweitzer, I'm wonderful. Life is good. How are things for you? Good. I feel like it's been you and I on this podcast a lot lately. Brittany's been in Italy, and so Poor she thing. hasn't been recording. And then, yeah, I know it's just it's really rough. <laughs> but she obviously isn't recording from there, and so it's been you and I. And then we were lucky enough to have your wife join us, and I, I really it, it's kind of neat. I feel like we're in a groove now. So <laughs> thanks for for subbing in on these. It's always fun and and uh, to talk about franchising and get caught up and make it in a public forum. So it's 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 a it's always fun, right? Right, and I think you know for us it does break up the day to have a different type of conversation or come and do this. And I think you and I both suffer from a little bit of procrastination syndrome and also like the loving a change of scenery, some spontaneity, and some multitasking abilities. Um, now, people might disagree with us. I think we would both say we're pretty good at multitasking. There may be people here, my husband, Brittany, <laughs> that may say, like, you guys need a to-do list, both of you, <laughs> for sure. Yes, I have to be self-aware and acknowledge that uh, I can overcommit, and uh, I tend to Same. thrive in chaos. But then we have people like Brittany that that clip our wings and put processes in place and bring us back down to reality and accountability. And it, it's, yeah. it's, uh, yes, multitasking is... Is the name of the yeah, game. It's needed. it's needed. You know, I think both sides of that coin are needed. My husband affectionately calls me Sam Schweitzer, agent of chaos. And so when you said you thrive in chaos, I was like, it's literally my nickname in our house coming through. But I think it does, you know, make you a successful business owner or business partner when you do have the ability to run different things and be on different channels at the same time. And as long as you can be organized and, and your thoughts can be organized and you can do things well for the people that you're working with and that are on your team, it really does serve us as business owners, especially semi-absentee, to be able to have, to be able to multitask and run different things at the exact same time. Yeah, it's, also the value of franchising and uh, when you have a system and a process to follow and you constantly go back to the playbook, you go back to, we call it a business in a box and you go back and you open the box up when you have some sort of scenario or situation and you can follow the, the, the script. So fran that's why franchising is, a, a, is such a fit for me personally is I love to multitask. I love to be doing multiple things and going in different directions at the same time. And frankly, I'd be bored if I was just focused on one thing and successfully ran two businesses at, at one point. Um, still doing work here with Fran Path and clients. And when you have a system and a support behind the scenes, you can multitask, but ultimately it takes the right personality to be able to follow a script and follow a system and stay organized. And then you have people like Brittany that grab you by the collar and <laughs> you back to ground and uh, you surround yourself. Ultimately, I mean, it's it, that's being intentional, but you surround yourself with people that hold you accountable. And, and I think that's Absolutely. how you're able to, for, at least for me, that's how I'm able to survive and frankly thrive. And, um, you know, I, I joke that I've got multiple part-time jobs, which is true. You know, I've never missed Brittany more than, I, I miss my friend and my business partner, but I was texting her today 
And I was like, I don't know how you do what you do because I'm trying to keep up with the bare level minimum tasks that she felt like I was capable of doing while she was gone from the administrative side of things. I mean, she keeps this business humming. And I will tell you that I've never appreciated her organizational skills more. She probably would say the same if I was like, can you edit a podcast? And also, can you organize all the social media posts for two months? She'd be like, what? No, thank you. (laughs) But I do think you know, the ability to do that and, and have, a, a, for me, the reason that I am able to do that is I have a business partner. And so to be able to run things in the background and do different things and have different investments is only possible because I have a work wife who balances everything out for me the way that my husband does at home. They're essentially the same personality type on every single personality test you could possibly take. But I think that that's so essential is surrounding yourself. If you're choosing to run a, a semi-passive business, an investment business, a lifestyle business, whatever you want to call it, if you're choosing to run any kind of business, franchise or not that way, you have to have, if you're going to have a partner, you have to have the right partner that offsets your deficits in that capacity. And then I think if you're having a business that is running in the background, it has to have the right leader in place because what we tell clients all the time is you can't have a franchise that you're going to invest in. It's not like an ATM. You don't write a check for a franchise and then go, oh yeah, I'm going to get those numbers in the FDD simply because it's a franchise and that's what it says the average person does. You And you also can't pay somebody $12 an hour to do that. You have to have an invested employee slash partner in that business that's going to be able to run it the way that you would or as close as possible, hopefully better if you get really lucky. I personally got really lucky and found somebody that's significantly better than me. Um, and we can talk about that, but yeah, I would love for you to talk about Ellie, you own a, you own a mental health franchise. You're not a therapist. Um, yeah, I, I think you'd make a fantastic therapist if you chose to go that route, but um, I don't know about that. So yeah, I don't know, maybe too many codes, you may be violating some stuff there, but I definitely, I would love for you to talk about how you've set Ellie up and kind of what your role is and then what you, what you've handed off and how you've partnered that, that would be great. Yeah. I think when you're looking for a business and specifically franchise business, you're going to have a, you're going to have a menu in front of you to choose from things. And it's okay to take an emotional aspect of it and and be self-aware and analyze what you're good at, what you're not good at, what you're going to like versus what you're not going to like. It's okay to be emotional about it. And when clients get on the phone with us, and and I know you hear it all the time too, is they tell me, I don't care. It's all about the money. And that's simply not true. No. Um, And when you break it down, you start breaking it down very, very quick. Money certainly matters, and that's a, a high priority, but it's not the only thing that we make decisions on. It's about what you want to put into the business versus what you want to get out of it. And for me personally, I was attracted to Ellie because I'm not the ultimately my lack of skill set and lack of license in the mental health space ended up being an appeal to me that it forced me to hire. Uh, her title is a clinical director, but in essence, a general manager. She handles the day-to-day of the business. She hires and fires. She's got full discretion to do what she needs to do. Uh, She's paid handsomely, but she's worth every bit of it. But that translates into a general manager. Employees come to me all the time. I go to the business. Employees come to me and ask me questions, and I steer them right back to her. 
because she's got the skill set. She's got the license. She's got the knowledge. I put her name on the front door, not my name. Uh, it's her name on the front door. I, I, I try to empower her in every way that you can to own the business. And she's financially rewarded to run the business and, and um, to make the right judgment calls and decisions. And that's not an easy task when you own a business and you make a very large investment to hand the keys over to somebody like that. But you can do it. And you just got to be intentional about how you do it. And then again, you have the franchise behind the scenes that has accountability, metrics, support, training, systems. Um, it's an ecosystem. Oh, I think the KPIs are huge, right? Because one of the things, you know, for Britt and I, when we set up this firm and for ourselves and then eventually for everybody else that's coming in and working with us, that we said was even identifying the right KPIs and what the what the bar should be and doing some of those things that takes time and it takes mistakes. With a franchise, you're exactly right. You have that set. You can see what other people are doing. You have the entire system there. So that manager slash clinical director, whatever that person's role is, doesn't feel like they're alone. They have other people in their role that they can communicate with as well. But I want to go back to finding the right person. You found the right person. How do you know how did you, what were some of the things that you saw in your clinical director that you felt like this person is the type of person that I need? Well, I knew going into this that I was not going to be able to run the business day to day. So ultimately trust was a, was a factor And the funny story is how I found her. I was interviewing people and, um, she, I don't even think she ever applied for the job. I, I don't even know if she ever filled out an application. Maybe she did. I, I don't even remember. But anyway, her name came up a handful of times. And she was not the most qualified on paper by any means. But when I met her and also the reputation of others kind of steered me to her that I, I was interviewing, they mentioned her as a mentor, as a as a, someone that they would want to model. So I'm like, that's the gal I have to go after. I've got to find this lady. I've, I've got to meet her. And I didn't know her. And ultimately, what I realized pretty quickly is that she was a, uh, an, a buzzword, but she was a servant leader. She, she does not lead with... Uh, a selfish bone in her body. And her and I were able to establish a trust very, very quickly. And I've tested her a couple of times in this, but what I coach her to do is treat me like a direct report. Treat me as if this is her business. That's why I put her name in the front door. Treat me as, as whatever you need done, whatever you need to be successful. And it, it works out really well for us. And she's not afraid to uh, kind of be a Brittany to grab me by the collar and pull me back and tell me, Jamie, you told me we we're going to do this by 10 o'clock today. I don't have it. Where is it? Got it. Thank you. I appreciate that. And ultimately her ability to lead other people to make good, solid decision discretion. Like I have a lot of trust in her. So it allows me to be a very semi absentee owner of this business. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not absentee. I, come to the office and I'm present. I know the employees ultimately, but I joke about it, but it's really true. My role in this business is I take the trash out. I'm off the floor. Uh, I do payroll and I pay the rent check. Um, and she handles all the rest of it, but we have clients and other businesses and home service businesses. I, I think of a client we recently placed in a roofing company and, um, she'll probably listen to this podcast, but she's all of five foot two and, uh, you know, out of Boston, little tiny thing. She's not slinging a hammer. She's not putting roofs on houses, but she's going to have, she's got the leadership ability to put in a general manager and has the personality to be able to trust and empower that, that individual to, to crush it. Like 
really excited for her. You don't have to be a subject matter expert in the business that you get into. I think that's huge. And it allows people to use the skills that they have coming from whatever arena that you're coming from to be able to get into another business and bring a different perspective to it and then get the expert, put the general manager in place that works. If you have the construction general manager, you have you know the contractor, you have what a pest control applicators, you've got teachers, whatever it is that needs to be there. And then, you know, as the franchisee, you're empowering, you're doing that. A good friend of mine, um, we were just discussing a few different things and and he was talking about hiring people and trusting people and doing those things. And um, I remember he said to me, do you want 100% of a grape or do you want 70% of a watermelon? And I sat there for a minute and I thought about it and I was like, well, 70% of a watermelon one, I like watermelons more, but it's bigger. And he said, think about that when you're thinking about your business as a whole. If you don't give something up, if you can't hand it over, and yeah. whether that's equity, whether that's, you know, it has something to do with the compensation package or just giving up things that you do to somebody else to allow them to totally own that. And you're not going to, you're not going to critique it. You're not going to say you really have to hand over ownership. That's when you really are going to start to have a watermelon on your hands. Otherwise, if if you're the hub to every single decision that's ever made, you're always going to have a grape. It's never going to reach its potential. It's never going to get to where it's going. And that was huge for me to hear again. Good analogy. Really, I know I, I was really like it, and it was Dan Claps. So I'll, I'll say it. I'll give him credit on this one because he's a he's a great guy, and he owns a he's done some fantastic things in franchising, and he owns a fantastic franchise company right now. And so it was just uh, it, it was such an interesting conversation. But you know, I, I think those types of things and being able to identify the right person is huge. But then also knowing yourself and your shortcomings and the things that you know. I think you always have to hold yourself back. You you don't have the answer to everything. And being able to to trust that somebody is going to manage that business, while it may not be the exact way that you would do it, that they're doing it to the best of their ability, that you've given them the autonomy and the trust to be able to have ownership over it, and then that they're compensated accordingly. Because if you want somebody to run a business like it's their business, and you want to pay them $12, $14 $12, an hour, that doesn't work. It just isn't going to work. And so we have those conversations with our clients on the front side. Can you manage people? Rate yourself as a people manager. If you're, if we're talking on a one to five and you're rating yourself a two, you can't have a semi-passive business. It's not going to work for you if you can't manage people. Yeah, the other thing of of having a semi-absentee business or a business with a general manager. And exactly to your point of taking the owner, the individual out of every single decision is that it makes the valuation of a sale greater later on. You Woo! cannot go buy a business. I've yes. vetted many of businesses and and still do all the time. And if the, if the business owner is the central point of every decision, knowledge base, history, it, the business, it, it, it's not appealing. I don't want it. I don't want any part of it. I don't want to invest in it. I don't want to own it. 
Um, and so that when you take, so I, me as a business owner, I don't ever want to be that linchpin and I don't, I don't really plan on selling my business right now, but I don't want to be that linchpin to hold on to it. It needs to be spread out. And so for a client, like the, the people we work with, and I know you do too, Sam, but I talk to our clients early on. Do they have an exit strategy? Is this a buy yeah. and hold? Is it a buy yes. and flip? How are we going to structure this? Begin they, with the end in mind. You absolutely. have to have that. And, and if the exit is handing it off to your family and it's a legacy business, great. If the exit is three to five years, I'm treating this like private equity, I'm building it up, then that is exactly what you do. And it goes into every single strategy and you're exactly right. Immediately discussing that with the client, immediately for us planning things ourselves, you have to look at that. And I think a lot of times, and it goes into everything, how much territory on the front side you would need to be able to have that exit strategy. What, how involved you're going to be in the business from day one, what that looks like, when the handoff point is, yep. what the general manager is doing. But you're exactly right. I've seen it happen before when you're looking at a business and the owner is like, well, I take all sales calls myself. I've been doing that since day one. That's how it, well, okay, now we're removing you. You say the business has a 92% closing ratio when you meet with a client. I'm removing you, the face of this business for, for eight years. What happens to that closing ratio? There's nobody else doing that. So I think it's way easier to, to plant. Just like you said, you start with the end in mind. And if you start when you open a franchise business, if you start with that and you are intentional about putting the right GM in place or you're intentional about promoting somebody internally. And, and there's yeah. different there's different strokes for different folks of how to do it. But have a plan and execute on it put milestones and hold yourself accountable, not only revenue, sales, numbers, profit margins, but also people and culture. And the the, the further an individual extracts themselves out of being that linchpin and being the decision maker of everything, the, 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 the more of a watermelon you're going to get for the business. Yeah. And culture is huge. I think, you know, to brush past that is, um, it, it would do a disservice to a to what you're doing because there's this fine line in semi-absentee business or in franchise ownership where you are letting somebody run the business, but you need to dictate the pace. You need to dictate the culture. Yeah. And that will always come from leadership. We've seen it anywhere. I mean, anybody that's been part of an acquisition of a corporate entity where you've, you know, you've traded hands and all of a sudden it's like the whole place is different. You know where culture comes from. And so I think having a really good grasp on how people are feeling still having check-ins with people. You know, you can put a manager in place. If something happens or that manager feels like it, people are people, the best and worst part of managing people is managing people. If they feel slighted in any way, shape or form, or if some animosity builds and you don't have any clue, you're just there two hours a week, walking in, shaking hands, kissing babies, leaving. And they're like, you know, and you walk out and everybody says that jackass, what does she do here? Like, yeah. what is going on? I do think culture and making sure that that stays true to the type of business that you want to run, to the type of people that you want to have. And that's what's really going to make sure that that business is, is available for an exit. Because if you can't keep an employee, if you can't build a team, that business never gets off the ground. And so having that, whether you run, we run the EOS system with traction, whatever you're doing you need to make sure that you have a plan for growth and structure and a strategy 
and that you're sharing it with people, that you're transparent about the type of built the type of business that you're building, not just come to me if if there's a problem, you know, creating that kind of discourse or worse yet, ignoring everything that goes on. All of what you just said is completely true. And it also it also plays into somebody knowing what that plan is and how they're going to do that and how they want that culture to be is analyzing the franchise or culture. So you can have two home service businesses that have the same product service or widget, two totally different cultures behind the scenes. Yes. And the culture matters for the individual success. The culture matters for people that you want to go and have a beer with. It really matters. And so as our candidates open up to us and you build trust with with individuals, you can really analyze that. And that's where that's where we play a pivotal role in the in the equation is is knowing the cultures behind the scenes at these businesses, going to conferences with this, seeing yeah. the people, understanding the tea leaves, talking to existing franchisees, having friends that are in these businesses, the pros and cons. There's never a perfect business. Never. No. Perfect. But no. there's ones that fit really well for people. Um, and it's not about a pretty website or a cute marketing page. There's so many layers to the equation behind the scenes. No, the brand is so much stronger than the logo. You know, the brand is what goes on behind the scenes and you're exactly right. And that's why we're so passionate about vetting brands that are in our portfolio, reaching back out to clients that have been in business for six months, a year, two years, yeah. and, and really hearing their experience, talking to existing franchisees when we're bringing a new brand in because you know, and, and what's right for somebody may not be right for the other, right? Somebody may not be comfortable in a certain culture. People want different things. But a lot of what we do when we are at these conferences and at these mixers and doing different things is we're not just sitting down and saying, can you tell me about your financials? Let, let's look, let's take a look at that. That's a huge part of what we do because I can love a culture and a team. And then I can look at a bottom line and say, well, the average franchisee is netting $81,000 a year. That isn't going to move the needle for my clients. So I, I'm sorry, but no. But I can also look at a business netting $550,000 a year and see the team behind it and get to talk to them a little bit and talk to some franchisees and say, that isn't going to work for my clients either. I don't, right. this isn't headed in a positive direction. And so I, I totally agree with that, that analyzing that is just so important in the process too, because you're in a business marriage with these franchise brands. And if you, especially if you want to stay in corporate America and keep your day job or run your other existing businesses or whatever you may be doing, you've got to really trust that these people have their stuff together to make it successful. Trust is the word there. And you can, I mean, and, and, and not to beat the dead horse here, but you can keep a corporate job and run a successful franchise. It takes the right culture Absolutely. of people being intentional, know, knowing the end result of where you're headed and just making those decisions along the way, but it's not an ATM in the backyard. It's going to take time, leadership. And what I looked at when I was getting my, uh, all of the businesses that I've started, but you know, if you spend, if you spend 20 minutes up front, that's saving you two hours down the road. Every, every, every bit of energy and time you put into processes, systems, structure, culture, pay, uh, bonuses, uh, customer acquisition, automation of, of invoicing and vendor management, all the time that you put into this and, and a good franchise will have this laid out for you, but ultimately you still need an executor and you as the business owner and or a general manager to do that for you and to find the right, the right system, the right person, the right process, the right culture. It just takes to be intentional to go, to go about it and treat it as an investment and not 
be emotionally tied to the business. It, it's, it's, it's an investment. Yeah, I completely agree. I think you can be emotionally tied to the people. And I think it's sure. important to be emotionally tied to your people because if you're not at the end of the day, then they feel like they're just part of an equation. It, that is a, a multiple Solid at the point. end of the day, you know? And so I think when we look at semi-absentee business ownership, I think it boils down to finding the right business for you, finding and surrounding yourself with the right people, holding yourself accountable for the things you can't hold yourself accountable for. And you know those things about yourself, finding a team that's going to call on you to be the leader that they know you can be, and then really just managing time and expectations and and continuing to run that business with the end goal in mind at all points in time. And if you can do those things, an exit strategy, whatever it may mean, is certain. And also an enjoyable asset that you're building on the side, an additional revenue stream, something that you can really sink your teeth into that, you know, franchising typically turns a profit far faster than, than real estate or the stock market, just statistically speaking from an ROI standpoint. And so if you're looking for an ROI that stands out and you're willing to do a little bit more work than plug it and sit with a stock, certainly I think semi-absentee franchise ownership is a great opportunity. Totally agree. I think the hardest step for people is just to get started, is open their mind up to get started, engage in the process, lean into it, be realistic about what they're wanting to put into it versus what they want to get out of it. And the sooner that we can earn somebody's trust in, in them being transparent and getting that information, the more powerful of a result we can deliver for them. I think that's a great place to end. Let us deliver powerful results. Call us, book us, talk to us. <laughs> we're, we're living semi-absentee franchise owner lifestyles. It is a lifestyle. It takes some practice. You've got to be willing to say you're wrong a lot. And that's, you've got to be humbled. Um, it, but you also, you need to be a servant leader. I truly believe that to do this successfully. And I think, you know, we're uniquely poised to be able to help people realize that dream. Love it. Love it too, Jamie. Thanks for lending me your time again today, my my new co-host on this podcast. It's always fun. Appreciate appreciate the time to, to join it. Thank you. Thank you. Have a great afternoon. You too. So if you'd like to learn more about franchising and diversifying your portfolio through franchising, email us at info at franpathconsulting.com. Follow the Fran Path Consulting Podcast on Apple or Spotify. Please rate and review us five stars. You can also follow us on Instagram at Fran Path, Facebook and LinkedIn at Fran Path Consulting, or go to our website, franpathconsulting.com to take your free business assessment. Mm -hmm.